Ramble. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Oh, hit those sleigh bells ringling, ding, ding, dingling too. Outside the snow is falling and kids are calling you-hoo. <laughs> Can we stop fucking singing Christmas carols now? It's done. Over. The holiday season comes to an end. One more time, we can walk away from this very peculiar time of year with all this forced intimacy and pomp and circumstance and financial pressures to overextend ourselves to keep our friends and family happy when the reality is if you didn't have to buy gifts for other people and they didn't have to buy them for you, it'd be a fucking wash. It'd be the same. And you could just buy yourself an Apple Watch any time of year when you actually really wanted it. And kids wouldn't have to have like some weird incentive and have this like weird faux pseudo godlike person in, you know, Santa who's like casting judgment. Are you naughty or nice to me? Because if you're naughty, you're going straight to hell. Just kidding. You're a kid, so you just won't get any presents. You're going to actually you're going to get coal, right? You're going to this is what we tell kids. If you're bad, you're going to get coal. And you're going to be blamed for global warming. Because that's not clean energy. And you're a piece of shit to me. Yeah. So, why don't you hang out with Diane, who's a good kid. And you know what she's going to get for Christmas? Because she's on the nice list? Fucking solar panels. And a Tesla. And zero straws. Because they hurt turtles. You like hurting turtles, Timmy? That's the kind of kid you are? You're sick. You're sick. Guys... Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas from your favorite podcasting Jew, Josh Peck. God, fa-la-la-la, leave me alone already. It's done. Thank God. I don't mean to be a Scrooge, but I am a Jew, so this holiday means less to me. It's nice. The family, the people getting together, the, the, the brief interlude where you... You sort of, you, you, you bury all the resentment that you've got for your friends and your family and you just, you suck it up, you swallow it down and say, I'm, I'm leaving the 26th. I'm going to get on my friggin' JetBlue flight out of this goddamn shithole and I never have to see Uncle friggin' Fred again. Or at least not for six months. Hopefully for an entire year. Because we all know, we all have that uncle who's like a little racist and he loves that Fox News. And he's, you know, he's, like, had a lot of money, but then he lost all his money. But he, like, acts like he still has money. But, like, we all don't want to acknowledge the fact that he's, like, renting a room from some, like, shady guy on the wrong side of the tracks. I don't know. We all have different family members. I'm just talking about mine. But, um, it's Christmas. Which means nothing. I mean, it's Jesus' birthday. That's cool. Happy birthday, Jesus. What do you get for the Savior who's got everything? <laughs> Am I right? I mean, that Meshuggah Messiah. <laughs> what do you do? I wonder what he would want for his birthday if he was here. iPad. The Amazon Alexa. <laughs> World peace. I don't know. Listen, I'm not in the guessing game. I'm not that guy. Anyway, um, Christmas is here. And then it's going to go away. 
And that'll be it. And this funny, silly time of the year will come to a close once again. And what started with all pumpkin spice and good times and endless possibility will end on the 26th with uh, just a weird seasonal hangover of like, God, it was nice, I think, but thank God it's fucking over and enough with this. No, please. And if I hear, if I hear any Christmas songs after the 25th, it's game over. And for some reason, the mall like feels comfortable still playing it like well into like the 30th. I'm not down with that at all. I am. You know, it's funny because the holidays after the 25th is it's kind of like a one night stand. You know what I mean? So like all the time before the 25th is like the night before when it's like, oh my God, she's so hot. Can't believe this is happening. Wait till I tell my friends we're having a great time. This is excellent. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, and you like look at that tree and all of a sudden it's not so beautiful. It's just clutter. It's just this weird half alive stranger in your home taking up space it's it, like you thought it smelled good, but it it actually, it's not the best and you just kind of want it to leave and you don't want to, you want to forget that it ever happened. Yeah. Well, we all, uh, we all have our ways of looking at it and obviously this is mine and, uh, uh, well, I'm not super proud of it, but, but you're listening to my podcast. So, you know, what does that say about you? Huh? You think you're better than me? You probably are. There's most most people are better than me. You don't want to know what goes on in the set of mine. Anyway, today's episode, Lisa Lampanelli, second episode. This is my first return guest. And it's not for lack of guests, people. Because listen, I got a fucking roll. You should see the runway of guests I got coming to you guys. Yeah, I deserve some sort of congratulations. For what I'm going to serve you up audio style over the next coming weeks and months. But Lisa Lampanelli is such a prolific guest, such a good friend of mine, such a treat. That I said, Lisa, please bless me with another episode if you may. And she said yes, because she is going through a really interesting sort of uh, professional shift in her life. And I think it's really fascinating. She went on the Howard Stern Show and said she was going to be leaving comedy and devoting her life to coaching and helping people, which I think is super admirable. And I think if there's anyone equipped to do it in such a special way, it's uh, Ms. Lampanelli. So I feel lucky to call her a friend. I just love her. She's a gem. And we have a really good time. So enjoy this. Here's Lisa. That was hilarious. You're on a, on a blow up bed. Hilarious. What more could I ask for? Okay. Lisa, You're welcome. Here we thank you. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Look. Back again. Let me tell you, Josh Peck. You want to reach the millennials, you talk to a Josh Peck. I like that. You got the Bank of America going. Thank God You've for that. You got everything going. Bank of America is so fucking good to me. God me bless you, you, Bank of America. Yeah, I even have my accounts there because of you. Are you kidding no. me? No. Um, yes, I am kidding. You seem no, like a Wells actually, Fargo no, girl. I know I do have it at Bank of America, but definitely not because of you. All right, fair okay. enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you, it makes me laugh so hard on Instagram all the time with you because I am like, okay, first of all, I love you. You're 
you're very handsome, but Thank your you. wife is fucking so hot. So hot. I didn't know you had sperm. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. So God bless. I procreated. You have. You know, it's funny. My wife and I weren't really trying. Mm-hmm. And then also known as a mistake. No. <laughs> and so, you know, we had friends who had, t- it had taken a year plus to get pregnant. And yeah. we said, why don't we just try? And we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And three weeks later, she's pregnant. Uh-huh. And much like uh, that bastard father of mine who I never met, yes. my mother looked at me in the face and said, well, you finally have something in common with your father. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're two potent bastards. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know what? I love that you've let go of the anger from your father. I really have. Maybe maybe I should life coach you. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, I know what's funny. You know, if your audience doesn't know, as you know, I retired from stand-up comedy and insult comedy to do uh, life coaching and storytelling events dude i started practice coaching these guys now let me tell you i know this is going to be very unpopular and people are going to get mad at me women are a pain in the ass to coach because they'll fucking call you and be like well i don't know i think i need to if a straight guy calls you for help they're like what are we going to change now and they change i had a guy give up adderall alcohol and ambien in one week Wow. Hey, that's how LL rolls. You want to talk about fucking results. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think it's funny because I may become the life coach to straight guys everywhere, which I love because guys are action oriented. Is that, I find it too specifically like, and sometimes my wife and I will get into uh, debates about this. Yes. That sometimes because I'm so action oriented, Mm -hmm. she just needs to vent and get it out. Yes. And here I come with like Captain Fix a fuck Mm -hmm. and I want to like make her all better and everything all better and she's like no you're missing the point here i need you to listen for 15 minutes without judgment and then fuck off well that's what i do to friends sometimes i'll even just they say the way to vent properly is in advance say listen I'm going to vent for 10 minutes. I really don't want you to even remember anything I said. Because, you know, when you're venting, you could say, and your mother's a whore and this and that, and your father's this. You don't want, you don't really mean it. You just want to get it out. So, yeah, women generally, we like to like yap it up. And then there you go. It's done. It's done. Then you forgive everybody. But men, they're just like, let's find a solution, which I've been that way too, because I have such a masculine energy, even though I'm fucking so hot. So hot. So (laughs) mangina. So you have had this sort of shift, this change. So let's track it. Tell me about the lead up where your head's been. Yeah, it's really wild. Because the last time we talked, it was definitely canoodling around up here to go, okay, Lisa, you're going to get out of stand-up. It doesn't serve you anymore. And I just felt like there was no joy in it like there used to be. Like, remember when you first started doing something and you just loved it? And you're like, oh my God, I'm so excited. The shows were fine. They were great, but I'd get off stage and not feel really full. Um, But then I started like deciding, okay, I'm going to tell stories and I'm going to like do workshops. And I like took this little seminar on how to give workshops to people about food and body image and stuff. And every time it was like that feeling I used to have with stand up. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what I'm supposed to do. And besides, I'm like, my type of insult comedy was not furthering the good of the conversation right now. Hmm. You know, people years ago, we can make fun of this, that, the other. And intention was everything. If I don't mean those words, you have to understand that. In the world now, there's so many people saying crazy stuff. I'm like, let me just remove that for a moment and see how I connect elsewise. And what's wild is, even elsewise isn't, more, isn't a word, so I'm fucking Harvard educated. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, 
oh, it feels really good to connect on a real level, but still be funny. And do you think that it became incendiary because of the current times that we're in where you had to be so care- I mean, I you hear it from so many comedians right. where it's become so treacherous to mm. try to play against that line that a lot of people have just sort of like a lot of comedians give up touring colleges because they're like, right. I don't need the fucking PC police breathing down my neck when I'm trying to do my set. Well, the ironic thing is I didn't have to change anything because my audience just got it. Right. But it was something in me after my dad died that really shifted that was like, oh, you really don't want to do this anymore. I always say quit things before you hate it. I got divorced before I hated Jimmy and he hated me. I got quit comedy before I hated it. If you stay in it too long, you're going to come at it with bitterness, and then you can't look back at it fondly. And there are a lot of fucking bitter comedians, no? Oh, my God. It's horrible. Name and names. I, Give I, us a oh, <laughs> And I even feel bad for them. Like, I started really using a lot of compassion, and it's a step up from empathy, because I used to be like, oh, I understand how that person feels. Yeah, understanding is one thing, but the next level is, oh, I have compassion for them, mm. which means I actually go... You know, I send you good thoughts and I send you whatever it is, light and love and all that. That's really hard sometimes because if people effed you over, but now I'm like, you know what? Everything that happened was supposed to. Any comic who wasn't nice to me, what it was supposed to happen. That was my greatest teacher. And will you say, you know, I think there's a... A stigma or a belief out there that anyone in showbiz who, in quotes, does something a little different, mm. that's not direct, that they're like, they've given up something, right, right. right? And that's been my fear with social media and the podcast mm. is being like, well, that's all a result of that you couldn't do X, Y, and Z in in, in normal showbiz. Right. But like, talk about, it would have been so easy for you, and tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. to do you know, 30, 40 tour dates a year, sure. make great money. Yes. The audience would have been happy. You wouldn't have been. Right. But, and you could have just phoned it in and like continued mm-hmm. on and right. not gone. Like this is the harder road. Oh my God. It's so much harder, but so much better. Yes. Like, honestly, I can't even imagine staying at a job I don't love. Like I like it, but I need to love it. You know, like I love my house. I love my dog. I, and I love my friends. Like I got rid of all the acquaintance types, you know, if there's not that passion there, I'm not going to do it, but you're right. Like it was funny. Cause I announced it on Howard Stern because I knew that would be the biggest audience and also that he'd get it. Mm. Any guy who does that much work on himself is going to understand it. So when I announced the retirement, he was like, you know, I kind of get it. He, and I heard him talking the next day and he was like, I bet you saved a bunch of money. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to do this. And someone brought up to me, you never hear about a comic retiring. You hear about them being driven out of the business, but not retiring of their own free will. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really true. Because everybody wants to leave the door open. You ever know, it's like actors never say, I'm never acting again, except Daniel Day-Lewis, who's allowed to. After but, three I mean, Oscars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, my three Tonys, really. No. <laughs> I got no People's choice. I, me either. <laughs> I, I think I got a Kid's Choice Award like, in my oh, mom's well, house. Oh, well, at least you got that. Yeah, it's all right. And it's a mom's house. Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, what does my mom have? A program from fucking Radio City. <laughs> Ooh, whoop dee But isn't her funny? tabletop pies right well a, t- a table talk pies. table Don't talk ever Excuse forget me. it bitch i love it and on the only po- the cherry now that's I, all she likes i listen to every episode of your podcast <laughs> ah, i was so a cute. fan okay sorry uh, but isn't it it's interesting how nothing really fills the hole like something you're passionate about mm. so the money I loved the fact that I was like I don't even care what's because people won't change because they're scared and I, I'm giving a workshop now on change 
Uh, it's based on the Brady Bunch song, When It's Time to Change. That's the title, because Peter Brady, when he sang and the, the, the voice cracked, Lisa Lampanelli jumps on the current situation. <laughs> Love it. But this workshop is about people at my age or 40 or whatever, is like they want to jump ship, but they're like, I'm scared to, I have to do this. This is me, Josh. I said to myself, what's the worst that can happen? What's If I stop comedy and I start doing workshops and storytelling, what is the absolute worst? No one ever hires me. I kind of have some money in the bank. So my, my accountant said to me, you'll love this. He said, you're fine. You'll have enough money for the rest of your life as long as you only live 15 more years, which I find hilarious. That's great. So I was like, okay, so I can actually kind of pull back from this. What's the worst? I move in with my mom. I live in my house that I was in when I grew up. People, that's more important than stuff. Like, even if it's a, oh, I love my home so much. Oh, asshole, you could live in 300 square feet happily and you know it. But we're all like so consumed with all that stuff we have that we don't change. To me, ch passion is better than all the stuff. But that is an immense freedom in the respect of, I feel similarly to you in the sense that I love a nice car mm -hmm. and being able to fly you know, with a little extra leg room. Sure, sure. But it doesn't define me in any way. And I would be comfortable. Like, too much success makes me uncomfortable. Well, I think you're right about that. Because first of all, I think with you, it's a good thing. I don't think you feel unworthy of success. Mm. Because that's the converse is when people go, I have fear of success because so I have to keep myself small. You don't do that. Yes. And I don't think I do that. I think I have this thing where I go, I experienced all that crap. And God damn it, yeah, so what? All I got is a freaking Lexus with a bunch of dents in it. And guess what? Once that's gone, I'm back to Toyota, bitch. I'm a Toyota person at heart. And this is how I feel. I think we're all Toyota people at heart or Nissan people. But we get this idea that we got to live up to something. Who cares? I'm not cool. I'm uncool. And it's okay. We don't have to have what people think we have to have because we're in the business. But I don't think you or I failed at anything we just moved on well i'm not a kia guy and you don't put i'm not a hyundai guy i'm not a kia Listen, no, i'm kidding. you're fucking what's that what you're a yugo guy you Remember go yugo? of course <laughs> yeah you're a fucking dotson guy <laughs> but isn't it funny how like all that stuff just seems so dopey when you think about it it's funny i was just i interviewed robert green the other mm -hmm. day do you know who he is mm -hmm. He wrote that book, The 48 Laws of Power, oh. and he's sold 3 million copies of his books. Wow. And, I mean, it's like the preeminent guy of understanding sort of human nature and the way people excel and whatnot. And, and I kind of brought up something similar to what you're talking about, which I said, can you talk about pivot points mm -hmm. in life and being aware of when something needs to change? Because I feel like we're so indoctrinated with so much like just grin and bear it and oh. push, push, push until, until you can't take it anymore. Right. And I talked about, you know, having the acting for 20 years mm -hmm. and now I'm doing social media and podcasts. And he said, but Josh, he's like, you're not selling real estate. Mm -hmm. He said, what you're doing is an amalgamation of 20 years that has brought you to this point. Of course. And it's allowed you this audience and the ability in which to connect and entertain and use comedy as a way in. He said, so it's not 
for not, it's just not exactly in the straight line that you expected. Right. It's like that whole thing of like, we're allowed to use that experience in a different area. Like I, mm. as a journalist before comedy, I ended up using those skills in comedy. Now I'll use the comedy stuff for storytelling and also for like a new podcast and for, you know, any workshops I do are filled with a lot of laughter. I mean, there's a lot of pain in those rooms, you know, to do a, a workshop for 20 people, 30 people, 50 people struggling with eating and body image and stuff, but they're laughing by the end of the day. And it's not because I'm being all like glib. It's the humor really heals mm. in a good way. So I think we're taking everything we are and allowing ourselves to go because forcing versus allowing is just the worst when you try to force something. If you had tried to stick with something you didn't like and if it was acting, you'd probably be 300 pounds. You'd probably not have a hot, tasty piece of ass of a wife. You wouldn't have a kid on the way because you'd be jerking off way too much. So here's how I feel. I feel you sensed inside yourself that you had to do this. Am I right or am I right? I think absolutely. And it was also like it... Mark Marin talked about it because mm -hmm. he's had so much success. Mm -hmm. And someone said, like, can you get, you know, for what you've now created, mm -hmm. can you give anyone uh, guidance? And he said, no, because it was born out of fucking desperation. Mm -hmm. He said, I was in my mid-40s and I realized that if I had to live out my life being a fucking middle mm -hmm. at Yuck Yucks in mm -hmm. Sacramento right. for the rest of my life, I'd rather be dead. Yeah. And so starting the podcast was ah. just an attempt to do something that I knew I liked radio and the auditory form mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that maybe I can make a, a good enough living where I didn't have to be a middle anymore. And I'd just do that. And everything that he ever wanted, the Netflix special and oh, legitimacy yeah. as a stand-up, was mm -hmm. born out of him embracing the unknown. Well, that's the whole thing. Change is so hard and it's so feared. I like people who can... I, I just... Like when they don't do it out of desperation too... It's a real cool move when you actually observe it. My nephew's wife, Christine, um, started this podcast called And That's Why We Drink. They did it because it was fun and funny. Her and her friend talking about ghost stories and true crime. They think nothing of it. Suddenly it's got a million downloads. Then it got two million. Now they're touring all over the country. They're like, what the fuck just happened? It's their chemistry. And I said to her, please keep doing stuff that way the rest of your life. She goes, how? And I go, you just went with what was fun. Mm. And that's the age group that we should all, at 50, we should feel that way. At 60, 70, 80, go with what's just fun. Because right now what I find fun is doing what I'm doing, all these workshops and body things. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm taking a clue from a 27-year-old who just did what they wanted. But did you have that programming inside of you when you realized you were unhappy still doing the stand-up mm. that a part of you felt like, I just need to push a little harder. I need to maybe get another special or whatever right, it is, right. attain some arbitrary height. And yeah. then once I get that finish line, then perhaps I'll feel better because I, I suffer from that. I think it was when I go, I've done every single thing in comedy you could do, mm. um, or at least that I could do I mean selling out big places like Radio City and then five specials on TV and a couple of Grammy nominations and I'm like like there's nothing else like there's nothing else I want to do in comedy so this other stuff just started feeling really warm and I always like that go where it's warm thing where you go oh people are responding and I'm into it wow that's cool and if I, it sounds super freaking cliche but when you get an email from some guy who says he just lost 30 pounds because you made him go to the gym by yelling at him in your life coaching thing, 
it's like, holy crap. Like that guy lost 30 pounds. Mm. Like, you know, it just feels right. So I think a lot of it is just listening to what's in there because our problem is we don't listen to what's in here. And Mel Robbins has, she's a motivational type person. She has this awesome thing and she goes, this is the stupidest rule ever, but I do it. It's called the five second rule. What you feel in here, you have to do in five seconds. And if you don't do it, you don't do it. Your mind talks you out of it. We think ourselves out of doing the right thing all the time. So I always go now, oh, I should apologize to that person. I go one, two, five, four, three, two, one, fucking apologize. Cause I won't do it. So I just love going, I'm not going to let this up here ruin this in here. Cause then I'll just hold on to that. The other day I thought I heard, I do my workshops with a co-presenter cause it's a lot of yoga, meditation. My part is more storytelling, journaling, um, sort of group discussions and all. Cause I don't know, know none of that flaky shit, that fucking meditation. Warrior uh, one, yoga, yeah, sun uh, salutation. I, I said, no, no, no. I said, that's you. And I close my eyes, take a rest when you're meditating. Do you? Yes. Shavasana. Uh, of I do. Yeah, she right. knows I sleep, right? Mountain pose. It's fucking standing. Calm down. <laughs> okay. So the other day I thought I hurt her feelings. And I said, yeah, the codependent in me knows that it's right to wait for her to say, Lisa, you hurt my feelings. But then I go, what is the human side? What does Lisa in her heart say? I say, look, call her up and say, I'm so sorry. I think I hurt your feelings. It, I almost talked myself out of it. And I go, five, four, three, two, one. I fucking called her. It felt so much better. She goes, oh, I didn't even notice. She goes, no, that wasn't bad. So it's interesting. We just have to do what's in here. Mm. If we, imagine if the whole world did what's in their heart instead of what's in their mind. How great would that be? I don't know if everyone's as tuned. I don't know if everyone's gut and heart is telling them the right thing. You think? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think their essential self is, but they're covering it with other stuff. Maybe. Like right now, okay, say, let's take Trump, who's fucking horrible. We know he's mentally ill. We know he's a narcissist. He wasn't born that way. No one's born to be a mental patient like that. Don't you think that child, when he was born, the essential self was not bad? I think his programming is is rotten, right? And which is most people, mm-hmm. and that it inhibits them from returning back to yes. that original self. Yeah, like, like we could work on it, and we could acknowledge it. If people don't start to work on it, they're screwed. And some people, you know, twelve step has that that phrase of like some people are constitutionally mm-hmm. incapable of being honest. That's and a if, good point. And if that is the truth. Mm-hmm they're kind of too far gone. I always make that joke of like, I feel bad for people that are douchebags and don't drink because then they're just assholes. Oh my God, like, you're right. Then yeah. they got, because yeah. they don't hit a bottom. Right. They just kind of turn people off and they wonder why people leave their life. Right, They're right. like, I had this great friend for six months and now yeah, they won't call happened? me back. What happened? Yeah. yeah, like they never look within of like, why, what did I do? Right. Like, did you ever, Um, have you seen the Freddie Mercury movie? I haven't, no. Boy, oh boy, you know, it was so wild watching that because everybody's struck how sad it is because of the AIDS thing, this and that. I was so struck by his loneliness and how it drove him to, you know, misbehave sexually, you know, inappropriate sex, drinking, drugs, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I was the exact way with food Mm -hmm. or relationships. I I always had to have a boyfriend. So I go, what made me wake up? Like, you know, didn't you have that point too, where you're just like, oh my God, poor Freddie Mercury. He, it was too late for him, but it's not too late for us. But not everybody has that. 
No, not everyone has that. And it's also, they say, with alcoholics, like, we respond well to catastrophe. Mm. And they also say, like, if you're ever going to help somebody who's a drunk, like, don't give them enough time to eat a ham sandwich, take a shower, and have a nap. Because, yeah. like, you yeah. know, get them when they're, like, hugging the toilet bowl, talking to God, saying, I can never do this again. Because right, right. if you wait till that night, they might have had just enough rest for them to be like, ah. Well, it's okay. Yeah. I'll just, oh, we've all done that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, yeah, you need your, you know, you never learn anything on a good day. Right. And it's those moments where you, you either take the action when you have that moment of clarity or you do more of the same. Right. Do you ever have that thing where, because I, the thing I, I'm struggling with now is I, because I'm so passionate about doing like these projects, because here's the whole trajectory was like, dad dies unfulfilled because I'm not doing service anymore because my father's dead, um, not satisfied with comedy, decide to retire. I was like, I'm retiring. I'm not doing anything because mm. I have a beautiful house. I'm like, I'm going to literally sit with my dog and look outside. I fucking love my beach, right? So, of course, two weeks go by. I watch every goddamn thing on Netflix. Like, I'm doing something and it has to be service because that's why I liked taking care of my dad. So I decide, oh, the food and workshop, the workshops, the this, the that, the storytelling shows about food and body image. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So now I'm like busy, busy, busy. So I'm like, I now have the disease of busyness again. So my life's way out of balance now because it's all this ever since the Howard Stern thing. It's like media, 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 work, work, work. And I'm like, oh. So I still, even though I'm missing light now and helping people find balance, I'm all out of whack because all I do is work and then fall asleep. Mm. So isn't it interesting the way we even have to look at ourselves like, oh, I reinvented myself because I wanted to, but now I got to work on getting balance in my life. It's like it never ends. It's moderation in all things. I know. And then there's also, and I talked to my shrink about this, shout out Tom. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> just saw him. That was my appointment I was at before here. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> He's up the street. Oh, cool. <laughs> and... Sometimes I reconcile with him and he gives me some healthy insight into the fact of like, he's like, you might just be a worker and that's okay. Yeah. In the sense of obviously it can't be where it's at the detriment to relationships sure. or things in your life. But my wife's family and, and we laugh like they're unbelievable it's sitting down on a saturday or sunday and like watching football and cooking mm. some food and hanging around the house and wow. just talking and chilling. I'm not that guy. I don't know what that's like. Me either. Like, I want to kill myself. Same. I just, this is me. I can be busy in this living room. I, we're in an apartment of my opening act, Frank DeCaro's. Um, I literally could find things to clean in here, and it's spotless. Des like, describe it. Okay, let me tell you what I did. Okay, they had literally, they know this, thank God I emailed them and asked permission. They've been away for two weeks. They had about... 60 boxes from UPS, et cetera, because Jim's a critic. Prime. Well, oh. no, Jim's a critic oh. for TV, so he's getting all these videos and all this stuff. I go, want me to open them and organize them for you? Because God forbid I just sit, you know? Oh, and I organize it to two boxes, that little pile over there. I make consolidate. And I go, I find shit to do in other people's houses. So I know that busyness is protecting me from some feeling of inadequacy mm. and some feeling of not being enough. Oh, I have to earn the fact that I stayed here, you know? And so I think it's really good to kind of know what I have to work on still, because then I can kind of recognize it in other people. But then the flaw of that is our life coaching, um, teacher it's really funny she's like be careful of having blind spots because somebody will be complaining about something you have 
And you'll be like, oh, I know how you can fix this. That's what I went through. And you'll be like, they'll be like, no, I don't even have to work on that. Like, they're okay with their shitty marriage. You know what I mean? Yes. So you can't project your shit onto them either. So it's all just a learning process, you know? Well, that it sounds like it speaks to, I'll see a lot of people in recovery Mm -hmm. who will get a couple years sober and then they have, uh, they go into the recovery racket. Yes. And they'll start working at a rehab or what have you and they'll become counselors. And some of them are incredibly effective and wonderful at it and Mm -hmm. get, you know, have that balance of feeling they're doing the service as well as being able to, you know, make some money and a living and, and be around people that are like-minded. And yet a lot of their sponsors, and it's sort of a warning post is to say, your job is not a substitute for your work uh, in the rooms. Yes. And it's going to be easy to confuse that. Yeah. And cause a lot of people will, you know, start working their job and feel like, well, I talk to alcoholics all day. I don't need a meeting. Right. Or, cause Ooh. it's my life. And it, there's always, it almost always a disconnect in that respect and, and it doesn't have good results. See, that's a good point. No wonder my life coach has been up my ass to call her because she's probably seen this where you start coaching people for practice and then suddenly you kind of fall off and I'm like, oh yeah, I really should keep seeing my shrink and her because I it can't substitute. It can't be like, look at me now. I'm just... I'm immersed and I'm Ugh. helping the world. The and oh my God, beacon. Travis lost 30 pounds and the guy kicked his ambient. I'm a fucking baller. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're welcome world. Yeah. 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 Here I come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and also I've always had that savior complex anyway. And I'm like, mm, it's not the way to do this, you know? So it's, it's really good though. I like, because the podcast we're talking about doing starting in January is one where I basically kind of come clean about what I'm still working on with my life coach, she'll call in and then I'll help other people too. So I think people need to see that just because you're helping people doesn't mean you got it all figured out. No, not even close. Oh my God. Any coach or shrink who says they got all the answers, fire them. Most shrinks have the fucking craziest lives ever behind the curtain. Oh yeah. Jesus. I don't want to know what's in their closet. Hey, I'm staying in a gay guy's apartment. You think I'm opening any drawers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Away. I wouldn't open my freaking shrinks drawers in a second. It's like a pleasure chest in there. Oh my God, I don't want to see. <laughs> so tell me what what did it look like those nights where you sold out Radio City mm-hmm. or, you know, the the touchstones leading up to this moment. How did, how did it feel? Were, was it empty? Was it good? What I liked most was the family and friend part. I remember remembering who came. I remember dinners before with my family and like literally doing Radio City and knowing that my mom and dad were there and we had a blast because my mom stood up. She's a big celebrity now. My dad was still alive. It was great. And the dinner before and my niece danced with me on the Rockette stage and stuff. And like, that was the only thing I remembered. Like, uh, yeah, it's so easy to get fucking laughs. I'm fucking hilarious. Like, that's what's funny. It's almost too easy. Really? Because you just go, and you know what? You'll get this. And, you know, people will be like, no, no. Okay. I don't think I was ever a true comedian. I think I wanted to connect. I think I was a connector of other people. That's why I was an insult comic, because it brings people together and makes them realize they're all the same. And no matter what, I'm a connector of myself to other people. That's all I want is connection. And I don't care how I get it. So now I'm doing the same thing I did with comedy. So I'm getting the same hit out of it, the connection with others and them connecting together, like in a group of a workshop or something. And I'm like, oh, no wonder some comics gave me shit. Because they kind of sensed I wasn't like a real comic. Do you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. like I wasn't born to be 
that. I was born to connect people and let's figure out how. Right. So I think that's why like the Mark Marins and people like that, I mean, Mark and I are, are friendly, but I don't think they ever truly were like, oh, she's, she was born a comic. I was born to figure some shit out. Well, yeah, I would believe that you, you know, you look at guys like Seinfeld and that who are so obsessed with the craftsmanship yeah, of I the words. Give a fuck you don't care, right? You, you throw cunt in there, yeah, everybody laughs. Yeah, you And by good. the way, I say cunt in my workshop twice, so fuck them. Do you? <laughs> of course. Both they know it's me. And also, I, I don't use it frivolously. But I, Josh, you tell me if there's a better way of saying this, because I can't figure it out. We're talking about how you can only change one small thing at a time. Because honestly, people come in with 80 problems. I go, look, you're going to move incrementally forward. Well, this is the first time I said the word incrementally, because I usually say, you're going to move one cunt hair at a time. And I say, you got to excuse my language, but I enjoy the word cunt hair because it's a real thing. Yes. So, of course, I like this language. And I don't think language is ever a problem. I don't think it's it's a bad thing to speak like an adult, like I'm not a kid. So, uh Maybe I say incremental. Maybe I say cunt hair. Maybe I just wing it. Say whatever my heart desires. You know, Tony Robbins talks about the efficacy of language. Yeah. And using, and he's got a fucking sailor's mouth. Oh, hell yeah. If you watch his specials, he's like, it. fuck this. And what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But he's like, I use it to shock. Of course. Is it to wake people up. Gotta get some attention. Up. Yeah. You think that meditation's keeping them awake? Lisa uh. Lampanelli telling you a fucking story of being a fat cunt's gonna tell you. <laughs> yeah, now that's gonna fucking break through. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what do you also think of this new, it feels slightly trendy in mm-hmm. the sense of like, you know, and I think it's the Instagrams of it all that everyone's mm-hmm. got a fucking affirmation. Oh my God. Josh? Tell me. Shut the fuck up, because I was on a plane today with somebody, <laughs> like I said, very famous next to me. He said, Jesus Christ. He goes, I got to now follow this broad my friend's dating called yoga something, whatever. And he said, why won't you follow her on Instagram? He goes, I don't know her. He goes, you got him. He goes, one platitude after another. Platitude, platitude, platitude. I follow some of these yentas just to kind of get in good with them. Mm. So maybe I say one day, hey, Gabby Bernstein, how about a reference? Or how about I'll open for you? These women, guys too. All they do is yap with the words, and I just see a bunch of words. I scroll. I, I want to see a picture. Stop it with that. I don't like it. It's so to empty. To me, an affirmation, too, I don't believe in them. I believe affirmations. If you have to look in a mirror and say, I'm pretty, chances are you're fucking ugly. Okay? If <laughs> right? no guy has ever bought you a drink at a bar during happy hour, you got to fucking transplant your face. So, I know. I'll tell you, in all seriousness, why I don't believe in affirmations. Technically, the ones where you look in the mirror and say this or that. I'm rich. No, you're not. No. You're fucking in a studio. Stop it. Yeah, you got an Guess iPhone what? 5. All right. No. Hey, shut up. <laughs> no, but here's how I feel. It's just another thing to fail at. So here you are going, I'm beautiful. You walk down the street, you don't get no look. Then you feel like a failure. You can't go from I hate myself to I love myself. It has to be I accept myself where I am. I am enough. You can't take that leap. As someone who's gone from like really hating their looks to incrementally contair at a time, liking themselves physically, I know it takes years and years. So you just got to go with these affirmations. Stop it. I don't like sayings. I don't like rocks with the little fucking things on them. You know what I'm rocks? It's fucking ridiculous. Don't give me no rocks with a saying because I'll throw it and hit you in the fucking head with it. I don't like it. I agree. I have one somebody give me. On one side it says begin. The other side says again. 
I wanted to begin to shove it up or snatch. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> you really should have. Well, here's the deal, though. I want affirmations that I think are realistic. If I could tell myself every day, you're enough, that's all I need to know. Because we wouldn't have to overachieve. We wouldn't feel bad about ourselves. We'd go, look, I'm not the prettiest. I'm not the ugliest. I'm not the richest, not the thinnest. I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. I like surrender to win. Yeah. I like the object. I know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. I like. uh, Oh, surrender to win. That is really good. Surrender to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's big amongst us drunks, you know, because we had to. You love that stuff. It's good for you. fucking drunks love those sayings. Oh, we love it. We got it. Oh, it was Plenty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, there's lists of them when you go in those meetings. Because I used to sometimes go to the AA meeting Mm. because I hated OA. So I would go. And apply the principles to food of alcohol. Yeah, it's all which it's is all fantastic. Stems from it anyway. Because that oh way, I'm sorry, not to turn anybody off, but it's mentally ill in there. <laughs> well, got to give up this sugar and this flour. So I read today, which I like this. Some body positivity broad said, "Don't make a promise only a dead person can make," which is great. Which is, I'm never eating sugar again. That's what those yentas do. They say, "I'm never eating, never eating sugar again." If I go to a freaking party and don't have cake. Punch me in the clit. That ain't good. You have to celebrate with something. You can't deprive yourself. There's 80-20, 80-20. Come on. It's so hard. The food thing is so fucking hard because you can't put it down. Food and sex, I think, of all the addictions because it's like it's human to a certain extent. It's a necessary thing. And, you know, booze, gambling, deading, cigarettes, drugs, you can all let go of it forever. Then you deal with the malady of it. Right. But it's not like you have to smoke two cigarettes a day. Or else, yeah. Exactly. Well, the thing about uh, those other addictions, they're so much cooler. It's so much cooler. food addiction is the nerdiest fucking thing because everybody's like, oh, you're fat and lazy. You're fat and you probably smell bad. It's a very sad thing. It's 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 the last thing you could call someone that nobody gets on your case about. Yeah, you can make fun of fat people. You can make fun of strippers. Right. You know, like we can shame. Fat strippers. Uh, Even worse. I'm telling you, it's not easy. They should have a guild or something or a union. Do you feel sorry for strippers? I kind of do. Am I stupid? Okay. No. Because I feel like... I was watching a great, oh, you got to watch this documentary called Generation Wealth Mm. about how it's always more, more, more. It's beautiful because this girl kind of juxtaposes then realizes her wealth was quote unquote work. She just couldn't work enough. So it doesn't look as harmful, but it was to her. But like when they were showing like some of these strippers who like the guys throw all the money at and they're crawling around the floor, I go, wow, I feel sorry for them. But it's so easy to write people off. Uh, you know, Stormy Daniels was on Bill Maher, and he sort of yeah, brought that, that was, up. Yeah. And she said, don't feel bad for me. She's like, I love this. But I question I that. I do, too. I think it's deep inside. I would always say I love the jokes, and I love the roast. And inside, I'm like, was that really who I was meant to be, as saying mean things to people? Right. No. Was it meant for me to take jokes? No. It's kind of meant for me to kind of just be who I am, and I'm allowed to say that hurt my feelings, you know? I remember I did the typical thing of my bachelor party was at a, a strip club by the 405 freeway in Culver <laughs> nice. City. Nice. Nothing but class. <laughs> nothing but class. And I'm there with my guys. And, you know, this nice girl is talking to me and mm-hmm. dancing or whatever. She's getting married. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was probably, I don't know, early 30s, nice enough. And she's like selling me the story mm-hmm. of I'm doing this to pay for college. And, and I'm like, and I almost wanted to be like, it's okay if you're not. Yeah. Like, if you're not, if there's nothing... 
in quote, the most noble thing about this is you got to pay your rent. Yeah. And you don't want to go work at McDonald's. God bless you. Yeah. Like, like do what you got to do. No shame. But the, I think the whole thing is I wonder, it's like we all go to something. Mm. And that's the thing she unfortunately went to. And food's the thing I went to. And serial monogamy I went to. And serial busyness. So we all just have our thing. I don't know. I know very few people who like kind of don't have a lot of crazy shit they're working on. But do you find that it's all uh, another great phrase? Mm -hmm. uh, the obstacle is the way. My mm -hmm. friend Ryan Holiday has written eight books on stoicism and sort of applying virtue to your life and, and that way of living. And then you've got the 12 step and you've got the, the coaching and, and yeah. sort of the self-help. But it's all ancient truths. It's all derived. You're just, yep. it's repackaging it sure. for a way in. And like, it's be of service, get out of self because it's going to fucking lead you down the wrong path. Right. right. And like, do the work. And then once you've done the work, help others do their work. Yeah. And you can't fail with that. Because mm. I, when I said, like, what's the worst that can happen? One person gets a little happier because I coach them or one person. So then that person maybe inspires somebody else. So I, you just can't lose with service. There's literally nothing that right. could go wrong. You I, know? I remember a buddy of mine, Billy, once said it was a revelatory moment for me. He's like, I finally allowed a good life to be the result of good living. Wow. Oh my God. That's great. Right? Yeah. And you I, have so many friends that are above you. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> You're Shout so out. lucky. You're famous. Love you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because for, I think, and it's indoctrinated to us to a certain extent, all people, mm -hmm. especially America, mm -hmm. where it's like, you got to go out and get yours. Oh, I and know. It's gross. Wrestle it? success and financial freedom and, and sex and relationships. And it's like, maybe you just be a fucking good person and it'll yeah. work out. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of just what it's supposed to be. Like I see some kids raised so right that like their first thought was I'm going to go in the Peace Corps or I'm going to be a special needs teacher or whatever. And I'm like, mm. wow, where, what good parents or where do they come from? You know, and others want the dough and want the money. And, you know, I'm just like, ew, gross. And, you know, another thing too is I'm, I'm as prejudiced as they come with certain groups. Like I will take a fucking millennial and want to kill him until I meet enough nice millennials. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I go, wow, it's interesting how I always thought I was above judgment. Like, oh, I make fun of all people because they're all equal to me. But I was looking at everybody under 30 as a big douche. And I had a fucking change too. You know what I mean? So I, it's, it's funny how... Until I saw millennials who were like, oh, I'm going in the Peace Corps. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a, I guess you're a good one, but you're the only one. And then there's another one, and then there's another one. So it's interesting how we just judge, but we don't even know it. If it's a group that's much maligned. And so tell me what you think of, I have, I go to this hot yoga Big. Oh, that guy's a molester from way back. <laughs> Bikram. Yeah, that fucking weirdo. I don't go to his class. Oy vey. But the, it's very big here. Yeah. And then we got, I've got this nice 23-year-old girl mm -hmm. who's like the teacher. I don't mean to be judgmental, mm -hmm. but I'm here for the yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, yeah. want to work out. Exactly. And she spends the first 10 minutes telling me about her affirmations. I'm like, I know that you were at the club snorting cocaine two nights ago i don't want to I mean, do you really know that i mean i have a feeling, you kind of have a feeling. like <laughs> you see the signs listen i got an idea for you josh this is the life coach in me coming out i'm ready you're in la right mm. 
wonder if there's another hot yoga class you could be taking. Is that it? Might be a different class. Maybe you should change classes. What do you think? That's what gets me. Because she's getting in your way. You're allowing her to get in your way. Yes. This is all your fault. Because some people eat it up. And and P.S., maybe you're supposed to surrender to that a little bit and see what happens. Maybe you hating the affirmations that much is a sign you just move through it. Because really, you should just be able to go, okay, you know what? That's okay. She needs to say this. She's my greatest teacher of tolerance right now. She's going to teach me patience. She's going to teach me that I don't need to sweat for a full hour. Uh, I don't believe in any of that anyway. Jesus Christ, you fucking idiots sweating your cunts off. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like I've always said, I wish I was in a wheelchair so I didn't have to exercise at all. Fair. I know. My arms would be fucking buff though. We all have Because no one's going to wheel me. No. Nobody would want that. Forget about it. Dude, I tell you what. Go to that class for the next six months. And as your goal, six months from now, I bet you say to me, you know what? I get it. I get why she was doing it and I don't have to like it, but now I have tolerance for others. But there's more of her. <laughs> They're all over these yoga classes. But is this all you're finding? Then, no. then that's the universe telling you you need to put up with it for a while. It's just me. see. It's your judgy. It's We're some. all judgy. Right. It's fucking horrible. Well, I just, it's me being an asshole in the sense of, I have to understand that yoga, I've gone to yeah. some yoga classes with some like fucking Maharishi, right. like people that have studied in India and I'm, I'm eating it up. Sure. But these people that spent $1,200 on the teacher training back. <laughs> well, you know what? That is something to be said. Uh, we're getting proper training. Uh, like a yoga girl I know who did my, who helps me do my workshop. She's 500 hour teacher training model at a famous place. I said, okay, right. she's allowed. Josh, you're not broke, but you got Bank of America dough. You got Josh and Drake dough. No Josh and Drake dough, know, but Bank was, of America. That was sad, wasn't it? I got it? fucked good on that. Hey, you know what? You child stars. Let me tell you something. You really got screwed. Like Herman Munster. You're, he wasn't a child star, but years ago, remember in the black and white TV shows? They I know the Munsters. Oh, but sure. look at you. By not getting Josh and Drake money and not having a father, look at what you've achieved. Yes. You've done it all. You've been the guy who's in the healthy relationship. You are having a kid. Boy or girl, by the way. We don't know. Oh, we're going to so be surprised. Cute. Oh, my God. Um, look, at, isn't that great to go, I didn't have to stay stuck. I didn't have to stay that guy who could have been cokehead fat, Josh. Because you would have been the cokehead who gained weight anyway. <laughs> you would be the ironic cokehead. Isn't that you incredible? You would be doing no fat yoga. No. We've fat cocaine and eaten. That's what you'd have been doing. Ugh. I'm I mean, proud of you. There was a time when I was on drugs and I was good and skinny, like, you know, oh, Keith Richards best. skinny. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like 20 pounds underweight. Right. And I remember looking at myself and I looked like a skeleton and I could right. tell I was not in great health and slightly jaundiced, but yeah. there was a moment where I was like, God, you're killing it. I know. I kind of liked it when I lost my weight on the, uh, you know, after the surgery, I was 10 pounds underweight mm. and I was like, oh my God, so awesome. Oh. Like, oh my God, you have a cushion now. Like, you don't. And then I was like, oh, that's not too anorexic thinking. I was like, okay, you know where you're supposed to be. You know, I was never supposed to be that skinny. It was ridiculous. So you go, okay, I'm at the 10 pound mark where I should be. So, but we do get that like kind of addiction, that head going. You ever wonder my brother-in-law is six, eight, 190 pounds. He's wow. he can't put on weight. Well, you ever wonder people, what that's it's like? It's very painful because is it? a girl, I've, I've interviewed a lot of girls like that and it is very painful. First of all, they can't absorb vitamins. A lot of them. There's reasons they're that skinny and they feel more powerless because they can't do anything to change it. At least we could diet, thank God, or get surgery. 
you can't bulk up. So the next, that's why envy and comparison is so bad. Because compare, compare and despair, despair motherfucker. That is my favorite saying in the world. I love it. Like I go, wait a minute. That girl's problem looks good from the outside, but she's in a lot of pain. So guess what? Thank God I had this struggle. You know, and anyway, Josh, you know what's funny? Don't you even look at it and go, it wasn't so bad. Like what we had to struggle through. Being fat? Like we go, or any of that. We just go, yeah, you know what? We weren't homeless. We weren't like, you know, getting uh, gassed on the border. Like we got pretty sure. effing lucky. Yes. We're white in America. That's in America. America. That's and I'm like a man. Way, you're a dude. That's, yes. And I'm a man also because yeah. I strap it on. Do you? For special people. That is so no, I don't. kind of I you. don't do that. All right. No, but don't you feel like, I, I think I hate gratitude sayings, but I got to admit to wake up every day and go, God, I'm so fucking lucky. It just sneaks into your head. Mm. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. I mean, it's funny how even with that level of awareness and I can, I can literally be having a bad day and shift it with the tools that I have now where yeah. I can do like a call a, a I don't even know, a flag on the play. Yeah. I, I know sports. I'm not just some Jew from New York <laughs> <laughs> who never played a sport in his life. Yeah. But like, go. and yet it's so funny how I, I made the joke the other day when another great saying, pausing when agitated, mm. you know, restraint of pen and tongue. Yeah. And now sometimes I'll be driving, somebody will cut me off or do something in traffic. And I will have that moment mm -hmm. of clarity where I say, this is the moment where you can refrain mm. or talk some shit. Right. And sometimes in that moment, Lisa Lampanelli, yeah. I go, fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> you I, go, this is the day. That's yeah. fine. Because guess what? We're all human. Yes. We're all going to make mistakes. I fucking screamed at a fucking heckler in June. Screamed. I fucking had a meltdown because I told the guy he was trying to shut me up. In he, San Jose, he, right? Telling me to be quiet. It's my fucking show. I've never had a man tell me to be quiet. It's a hot button for me. So tell I went me. nuts. Oh, ha I never. What happened? My dad never said shut up. My brother never said shut up. I never had a husband or boyfriend who said shut up. It must be something in me that's a real trigger. Mm. So the guy, I was having some woman who was on crutches move up to the front because she couldn't see she was with some drunk. So I go, come on, you're going to have a better time if you move up. Apparently it was taking too long for this fucking weirdo. So he yells, I ah, shut the fuck up. And I, it just set me off. Like there was not even where you said you think restraint. No, I went nuts. And I just go, oh, really shut the fuck up. And I just went over there and I got in his face and I go, I always loved doing this. I go, guess what, pal? I'm going to give you your ticket money back. I'm going to pay you to leave. And he goes, I'll pay you to shut up. And I go, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what? He's giving me 20 bucks. So I'm thinking of the optics on it. I go, oh, okay. So either I could crumple it up and throw it at him or I could like take it, which probably doesn't look good that I need 20 bucks. Sure. Or I could rip it up and looks wasteful. I should have said, I'm keeping this to donate to the Me Too's. I should have done that. Wasn't thinking strong enough. So I crumpled in his face and I screamed him out of the room. I and didn't even mind doing it. Did he walk out? Oh, they, they got him out. Yeah. And I said, all right. I failed in a way because yes, I did go ape shit over a trigger that I would like to have more control over. Does it happen every day? No, thank God. It used to happen three times a day. Seriously. In the old days. Now I go, oh, I'm going to F up once in a while. So what? Then you forgive, you move on. It's like overeating. Going to do it some days, and then you forgive and move on. How did you do over Thanksgiving? Oh, pretty well, except one day I was with my brother's family. 
went to the movies, and my big weakness is that popcorn with that awesome butter Ugh. that you stick the straw. This is a fat girl trick. You stick the straw up the butter dispenser and then oh stick the other God. end in the popcorn so you get it fully distributed. Uh, you know, I'm pretty freaking good at this shit. Layers. Oh, oh you got it. It's very complex. Oh my God. You're a Jedi. You're oh, yes. a fucking Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and then you dump in the popcorn, the M&Ms, this, that. <sighs> then we go out for pizza after. Well, here's the thing. I got that little tiny fucking stomach. So this food, this combination is so delicious, but so disgusting. And all the way home, I'm just like, you did something to yourself real bad. All night, I'm just like, oh, oh, this is the worst. My dog's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And it's gaseous. I'm not going to be graphic, but it's gaseous. Really? Josh. Oh, yes. It wasn't oh. pretty. <laughs> and I said, you know what? One day out of four. Big deal. Yeah. And I said, I know I did it because of family, of connection. So I do better the next day, which I did, thank God. Mm. But again, it's that thing yelling. Whatever our thing is, we just got to forgive ourselves and move on because what's, what's the alternative? So were there moments in what, what was the great sort of outward success of those years when you were doing the Radio Cities? Were you, did you have moments of clarity where you were like, this isn't filling me up? Or were you just along for the ride? I think I was just like thinking it was okay. Mm. I was thinking, oh, this is great. This is great. Achieve, achieve. Look what I could buy. Look what I could do. Oh my God, let's get another house. Let's get this. Let's get that. And then, you know, it all really came to a screeching halt when my dad got sick. And I had to really slow down and go uh, right after his death that like literally I'm going on stage and it's fine. And I started getting standing O's again. But even that didn't, it was almost like a test from the universe. Like, wow, even that isn't making you feel great. But it felt good helping your dad, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay, let me notice that. Oh, you know, this is what I want to do. So it's pretty interesting how you, it, you're not miserable, but it's the outward stuff that's filling you. Instead of having inner esteem, it's outer esteem. And what do you do once you've, what was, what was sort of, was there a moment over the last few months that was literally where you flipped the switch? Well, dude, okay. I have the best manager in the world who's like a really good friend now since we were together 15 years. She was like, honestly, you don't have to announce you're retiring. And I was like, um, okay. Cause I was like, uh, yeah, I don't have to tell anybody anything. But then I was working with my life coach and I was really angry because every time I was given an interview, like when we did the last one, I was like kind of like editing things out and going, oh yeah, whatever, we'll see what happens, you know? And in my heart, I was like, I am never doing insult comedy again. Like I know. And I called her and I was crying and I go, I'm fucking telling everybody. I go, I don't really fucking care. I mean, I'm sure she was like, no problem. Like this came out of nowhere. And I was like, I said to her and my publicist, I, we are picking a huge place to announce this and I am being real. She goes, why? I go, because I'm living inauthentically. I'm literally, every time I have an interview, dreading people asking me about why are you not doing as much stand-up and saying, oh, if it's meant to be, I'll come back. I said, we know it's a lie. I know it's a lie. And she goes, yeah, you know, if you can get a big venue, do what you can. So thank God Stern figured out a way to do it. Then Wendy Williams and Dr. Drew called and I'm going on his podcast. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, so all these great people are lining up to help me. And I'm like, wow, this is what it was supposed to be all along. So yeah, it really, I, my gut, I didn't let the thinking talk me out of going with my gut. Did you ever, um, so when you're like, uh, oh, I asked, uh, now I know what I wanted to ask. Yeah. I asked Jeff Ross's 
And I said, have you ever had to send flowers to anyone who you roasted where you felt like you went a little overboard or that they didn't take it well? Have you over the years, like, let's talk about the- Oh, not with comedy, but I have apologized. I think I told you on the last time I apologized to a guy, an individual. If an individual's got mad, I would get, you know, definitely say, I'm sorry. Like someone- In the audience, like if somebody looks sad or whatever, I'd say, are you okay? And, you know, then apologize because I really don't want to hurt an individual- but I never bought into the you should apologize to a group. So this time when I went on Wendy Williams, I said, you know, um, I really didn't feel like I wanted any transgender kid or a gay kid or an African-American person or anyone to feel like I meant those jokes. So I'm not doing it anymore. Like, I just don't want to. It's not in my heart anymore. It's not fun enough to bother. So I feel no problem with this. So it kind of... um, I didn't feel like I did anything wrong, mm. but if it's just not feeding my soul anymore. Why bother? But did anyone ever take issue with you when you were sort of making those jokes? Maybe because like, at the time I didn't read Twitter and all that. Now I read everything because I'm not scared anymore because I know 99% is going to be, oh my God, good for you doing helping people and all and that. Yet, even if it's all good, is it still healthy to take in that much commentary on self? You mean now? Yeah, like to read um, all the Twitter and all that. I don't read a lot of it. I read like some on Instagram because it's like fun. Mm. Instagram's like so fun. Like it almost just feels like nobody's really a dick there. Um, I think a lot of it is pulling back and going, let me not look at this if it's for likes. Mm. Let me look at it if it's for fun and goofy. And as long as you keep that childlike quality of like, oh, this is fun and I'm putting goofy things out, then that's cool. Like yeah. I like doing these stupid dancing things because I'm just like happy. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm going to put some dumb thing of me dancing. And people are like, Oh my God, that brightened my day or whatever. But again, I have to do it for me, not for them. And that's a, it's a delicate balance. You know that. Well, it's, I always wonder if just take, you know, you think about like these books like sapiens and whatnot, Mm -hmm. right. That Mm -hmm. breaks us down to who we actually were 2000 years ago right and or even before that and so and that we were only supposed to know 30 people our whole fucking life you know yeah. like our small tribe yeah and we were all good at something mm-hmm. in the tribe so we all served a purpose mm-hmm. so it wasn't like we were aware that there was another guy who threw spears who had you know 10 million more followers right. than us right you were the best at throwing spears amongst your 29 friends yes and that yes. was enough right and so I wonder, because I get so much feedback on social media, how healthy it is to ingest it all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's funny, and I try to stay away, but I'm really good at letting go of this projection of what I think my life or career should have been mm-hmm. and living up to other people's standards, especially when they... It's so funny because I was, I was on Drake and Josh, and I know mm-hmm. what it felt like, mm-hmm. and I felt like a guy with a job, a yeah. cool job, but a job. Yeah. And so yeah. people now look at me and think like, what a fall from grace. You were on this huge show. Like, and I think, didn't feel like that when I was doing it. I enjoyed it. I felt yeah. lucky. Yeah. But I didn't think I was fucking Leonardo DiCaprio walking around. I was fat Josh who right. was on a kid's show. Mm. I'm glad it meant that much to you. And yeah. for you at 14, it was your Titanic or whatever right. it was. Right. But it wasn't that way for me. And and so I usually stay pretty clear of that. Anyway, I'm reading Instagram. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving morning. I'm watching the floats, yep. the parade, Uh-oh. good mood. Yep. I post a video, a funny uh, sketch friends and I made, mm-hmm. and somebody writes, oh, your your creativity died with your career. Oh, I mean- <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, dude, I mean, welcome to my world, yeah. And then under it, mm-hmm. just kidding, I love you. I know, I know, and guess what? And I respond to this fuck. I 
What I, did you say? There have been a hundred nice things that day that people are like, yeah. love you, you're the best. Right. I gloss over, but yeah. this fuck gets my ear. So I write back, what makes you think it's okay to talk to someone like that? Mm-hmm. And while a fine response, not necessary. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, everyone jumps in and is like, fuck this guy. Don't worry, Josh. I'm like, I don't need your reassurance. Right. Well, you can't win at that point. I, right. de- I delete it. Block this fuck because I love blocking people. But <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and you got to stay blocked and you know who you are. Oy. But like, it was such a case study in like, A, he literally was just writing it to get my attention. I know. They just want love. Well, that's okay. Forgive yourself and move on. And the fact is, we're all going to do it. They catch us at a moment of uh, weakness. Mm. Because whether you knew it or not, you're probably at a little moment of weakness because maybe you were bored a little. Sure. Uh, Anytime we're reading those comments, we might be bored or might feel bad. Oh, let me look for a little something. You know, and uh, you know what? It's almost like that uncomfortability we can some days manage and some days can't. So it's funny because I, I I posted something really innocuous. I was doing a food and body image workshop in Connecticut. And I just posted a dumb graphic that was a bunch of nachos. And it said, cheese is not a dirty word. And it was about how, you know, there's no such thing as good food and bad food. Cheese is not a dirty word. One comment was, unless you're a cow. Like, meaning like, I'm like, bitch, they don't kill a fucking cow. They fucking milk that shit. Right. Like, don't fucking vegan me out, motherfucker. So I didn't say anything. I just started laughing. But I go, boy, I bet a year ago I would have fucking gone off on that bitch. And would there's you? no guarantee tomorrow I won't on somebody else. But most of the time I go, you know what? What The only thing that works for me, dude, and I think it'll work for you because you're really self-aware, compassion mm. is going poor thing. That's how I look at everybody. Now I go, poor thing. That person who the JK, you know, just kidding. Love you, Josh. Poor thing was trying to get attention, had nothing else to do that day. Probably maybe didn't have family, maybe didn't have friends and just go, okay. And it's, it's a lot easier with compassion, but dude, I'm 57 and still working on that shit. I don't expect you at 23 to understand. That's true. How's that? It was a good (laughs) 23. One of my best years. Um, yeah, it's funny because like I have friends who are getting a divorce and they've been Mm -hmm. together 25 years, Mm -hmm. they're 30 years. And you know, and one of the people in the relationship took a shit three years ago mm. and just like dropped, broke the contract. Yep. Didn't cheat, but just is like not doing their part. Right. And really unfairly so. Like mm-hmm. had just a break, a real break. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my friend who this is happening to and I, and I just, I get so angry for them. Mm. And, and they say to me, well, you can't because this person, their spouse is sick. Mm. Like they're very sick and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate and it hurts like hell. Yeah. But it's they're sick. And I go, isn't that the right way to look at this than me who would be consumed with self righteous indignation well, and anger? Because I think we're really angry at ourselves. Yes. About the parts of them we see in us. So, you know, we all know we have that in us to do that. So it's almost like we try to be so, oh, how dare they do that? Because, oh my God, for the grace of God, that's how I could have turned out. Or mm. there's that little dark, what do they call it, the shadow self that would do that. Because I remember, oh my God, I was telling, oh, this is so fucking, I can't believe I'm even telling this. And it's like no big deal anyway. Um, I was telling my life coach how I see these yentas on Instagram with these self-help bitches, the fucking affirmation cunts. Aye. And I'm going, Oh, I hate that one. Oh, this one. Oh, that, what a fucking preachy. And she goes, what do you hate about them? And I named what it was, the qualities. And she's like, what is your shadow self? 
Um, I go, I'm all those things. I'm every one of those traits looking for approval, um, preachy, you know, uh, constantly think I'm right, being all like, no, let's market ourselves perfectly or whatever. I'm like, oh, I got that in me. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where we got to turn it on ourselves and go, it's okay. You won't, you know, that guy, I'm going to work on what's in me, but it's hard. Was there ever, uh, tell me, give me at least one moment in which we, one day, even if it was half a day mm -hmm. where you were like, wow, fame and money is really enough. <laughs> where it really filled you like it did its job I, think I thought it did yeah um like you said but it was always kind of a job it was always just a job i just remember the first time i got kind of um money i was like walking down the street it was new york city i had two pairs of gucci shoes in one bag two pairs of jimmy shoes in the other walking to the friars club and i was like i fucking made it and that same night I met the worst guy I've ever dated who was my true bottom which is why how i began working on my codependence and i was like Oh man, so I really was still trying to fill the hole with all that stuff. Yeah. Bad guys, shoes, bags, like expensive shit. It's like, oh boy. But you, those shoes weren't from Aldo. Am I right? They were from fucking Gucci. Fucking Gucci, motherfucker. Yeah. And you know what's wild? Um, I sold everything other than like I think one bag that has a hole in it that I just fucking love. Um, I sold tons of it on the real real because I was like I don't need this. It doesn't define me anymore. It feels so good to get rid of stuff. I sold my fur coats. I was just like, I don't care. Like, why do I need that? Mm. And it's so weird. The second it goes out the door, I forgot. I don't even remember it. Like, I can't even name what anything looked like. It just feels good to be free of it, which is not to say don't have nice things. Nice things are nice. But eh, they sure, I bought them for the wrong reasons. Sure. So now when I have my one little Gucci messenger bag because it has the hole in it because nobody wants it, I'm like, oh, that's cute. I just have my one thing. Did you ever, being part of the Rose mm -hmm. makes you obviously a target sitting mm -hmm. up there on the dais. Mm -hmm. Were you ever hurt by things people said? Only laziness, lazy jokes. Eat, if it like low-hanging really, fruit? Yeah, if it was really clever, even if it was about like, you know, it was always with women, it's fat, ugly, whore, uh, unfunny, and not smart. So mine was always fat, ugly, and whore, and because they couldn't say I wasn't funny and not smart. It just wouldn't land because mm. everybody knows that's not true. So I like the jokes, but if they're lazy, if they're just dumb and throwaways, even to other people, I'd be like, you can fucking do better than that. I want some effort put in. You know the effort I put in a roast? That Ronnie roast we just did for Stern is my last comedy ever. I put weeks into that thing. Really? Because I just wanted to be fucking killer what does that prep look like oh it's horrible it's, it's like just you alone in a room yeah well i have other guys that help me punch things up sure oh my god it's hard because everything has to, a friend of mine told me years ago he goes you set precedent sorry every joke you do has to be a haymaker he goes you can't have any that are like b they yeah. all have to be a plus i'm like oh fuck so you know i don't miss that at all but it was kind of fun doing it one last time especially when you know you're doing it for howard like someone you just freaking who's done everything for your career that i'm like oh i could like do that one last thing stamos talks about a thing that howard does mm -hmm. where you know because i the show is much more written than we'll ever know right mm -hmm. oh yeah there's a lot of strings going on behind and he said you'll start going down a road mm -hmm. And he'll kind of look above his board and mm -hmm. like kind of give you a look, like keep going. Mm -hmm. It's a good road, right? Like right, he's, right. He's even the P.T. Barnum in the middle yeah. of a story, right? Yeah, he's genius, genius. Like when he said, when Gary assured me, he goes, "Look, 
I promise Howard's going to talk to you a lot about this change, this retiring from stand-up and you doing this other thing now. Because um, I was all scared that I'd go in there and have this big roast and he'd gloss over it. I mean, he really was like compelled and interested and talked about it the next day and stuff. And I was like, wow, he's, he gets it. He cares. So I think that's how he is with everybody who comes in. But when you start going down a road, that's just, he knows isn't going anywhere. Mm. He'll just divert it. And you hear it when you're listening. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does he, do you think, let me check the clock really quick. Go for it. How much time we, where are we? Oh, cool. We Googled it and we think we're at the right place. Oh, good. I'm going to say it'd be down in 10. Is that cool? Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Uh, no, we won't. <laughs> Wait. Down in 10 with my best friend, Josh, period, LOL. That's so cute. How oh, they love you. You met Christine at the uh, one of the shows. Oh, yeah. Hold on one second. Okay. All righty. Yeah. So... So assuming that, open this real quick. So no, the listeners they here. love it. I know, bro. That's right. We're drinking Dasani because we're of us. the people. Oh, I saw your thing today. It said something about so humble or humble. Something. That was really funny. <laughs> I feel like Dasani is the water of the humble. It is because it's McDonald's official do water. Know, do you want to know what the water of the humble is? Mm. It comes out of a fucking tap. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay, asshole. Or okay, a, Hollywood or, or a well. Let's just call you Hollywood, John. Uh, there are plenty <laughs> of kids in Washington Heights drinking Dasani right now. It's true. <laughs> so assuming that you spend the next 20, 30 years of your life doing this and mm-hmm. and you don't do the public persona show busy stuff. Oh, but, I hope I don't have to. Do you? W- I mean, I don't hate it. Would I there love be, this kind of stuff. Would there be any part of you that misses that? Oh, uh, the performance part? Or just like the schmaltz, the talk shows, no. the red carpet, the oh, fr- oh, free oh, that's shit. Done. No, no. Free shit is so stupid. Yes. Other than I got to tell you, Howard gives a nice gift bag. Does he? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's real beautiful. Come on. What's but, give, what's in the Howard Stern gift bag? Um, They fucking gave us as one thing. It was like for Sonos to come and install the thing in your house. That's nice. Like, But you want to know how stupid I am? I go, well, I don't really listen to music much. So come I didn't on. Do it. I know. What? I know. I know. I should have given it away. Um, also, what I get a kick out of, he has his own headphones made by this baller company that say Howard Stern on it a leather I mean they're for a audiophile they're wonderful um what else I mean tons of shit and I'm just like of course as a fat person inside um there were those zing bars which are protein bars mm. I was like I love my zing bars the best I'm like what's wrong with me <laughs> my like, three dollars zing bars Ill. I know I know I love it I'm a Jew at heart as you know of course. but uh no it's funny because I like when we can talk like this, I even liked when I was on Wendy Williams as a result of this announcement, because I kind of directed it towards this kind of conversation. I didn't gossip about the celebrities that she normally, she didn't even bring anything up other than this life change I've had. So, um, if I don't have to do hair and makeup and be all fancy and go dress like I want to dress, I'm cool. Like, I'm like, I don't, like all that stuff fell away and it feels great. So I don't mind going, okay, I have to kind of do media to get people to come to a storytelling show. I have to do media to get people in workshops. As long as it's for the right reason, I don't have to go nuts about it. It's fine. Mm. And send me Zing bars, Quest bars too. Zing. <laughs> all sponsors of the Curious Podcast. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli, I love you. Josh, you You're know the what? best. I'm going to fucking tell you. 
you are my link to the millennials. You are. You are my link. No, no, you're a good friend. Uh, people might not know this, but Josh played my son in Drillbit Taylor, and I feel like ever since then, I'm not like his mom because he has a mother, but I feel like I'm like an aunt. Like I'm this you are. aunt who's a little bit off, but that you still tolerate and that you run over and tape in my gay friend's house. Um, may I do a shameless plug? Please. Um, Wait, to, will you at least oh. say that you and I are the, we were in the worst Judd Apatow movie? Well, I was telling somebody on the plate today, I said, we weren't in the worst Judd Apatow movie because there's been horrible ones. True. Like this is 40. I want to fucking punch him in the clip for that one. We were in the most ill scene it was never seen drill bit taylor right. it's was a never movie. it's fantastic it's adorable i watched the fight scene constantly with the three boys fighting. hilarious it, hilarious so and you were so good you are a good actor Thanks. that's the problem <laughs> that's why people want us to do what they want us to do because we are good at it mm. i am good at comedy you are a good actor we just don't feel it anymore it's okay people rent drill bit taylor you want to see some fucking acting watch this josh peck you, play you, lisa lampanelli you want to hear lisa be anti-semitic in a car scene oh, <laughs> that i'm was, so good at th- that that was my favorite moment ever that was best ever oh my god oh my god but listen see drill bit taylor i'm telling you and also people out there stop telling josh you should go back to acting <laughs> put it this way it's not robbing the world of anything. Okay? <laughs> and me not doing comedy is not robbing the world. We're doing what we do. We're helping people. So shut the fuck up. Also, lastly, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Yes. LisaLampanelli.com. I have ditched in saltcomic.com because that's not who I am anymore. Although it does still link if you can't remember my name. LisaLampanelli.com. I'm giving food and body image workshops. They're fantastic and life-changing for people with these issues. It really doesn't help people shed all their problems but after a workshop josh they really come with a little more peace a cunt hair more of peace around food because what else can we expect i i I don't like these people who promise to change the everything about them after a workshop with us i'm telling you, you'll feel a little more peace about it and also for my storytelling show that's about food and weight image uh all that shit with my other fat and skinny and anorexic friends also go to lisa lamp and i'm a baller Life changer, life coach, motherfucker. Bong bong. What a fucking. <laughs> What's up? What a plug, <laughs> fucking son. Where can they in. go to find anything about you, Josh? I got nothing. You got nothing. You can find me at lisalampanelli.com. Yes, you can. And oh, we can. Kept- Josh, can I just ask you a favor, which you probably will say no to, but I'm asking you on the air and you'll cut it out? Oh, shit. Okay. Would you ever do a storytelling show with me? What? Will ever tell a story Is that about. Like vagina monologues yeah. for. for- Fat people? Well, not fat, no, but no. anybody would. Would you ever tell like a three-minute story about food or weight? Of course. <gasps> really? Yeah. <gasps> I would be. I'm gonna cry. I would be so honored because we really the stories. It's so impactful when people see people tell their real story instead of me writing them for them. Oh yeah. Oh my god. We're That's totally doing one in L.A. Absolutely. After she pushes that fucking baby out, if, and you could abandon her with I, that kid screaming, we'll go out and have fun at the Wiltern Theater or something. That sounds great. Listen, if you haven't put gold bomb powder in between your legs, you haven't lived. I don't know what that means. <laughs> the medicated but I powder, agree. the gold bond shack is. Come on, you never had to powder your no, thighs? No, no, of course. But, you oh, call- oh, oh <laughs> cornstarch. No, it was cheaper. I thought Gold Bond was a sponsor, dude. And no. I thought you were sneaking in a fucking sponsor. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you right now, you, you're right about that. 
You know Gold Bond, no? Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal was like, I love my, my Gold, gold Bond. bond. <laughs> you know who's a big Gold Bond lady now? Who? Wendy Williams. She, that's one of her sponsors. She talks about it on the air and has people using it in the audience. It's very, not between their legs. That's a whole different story whatsoever. Sure. Let's go rub some Gold Bond right now. Um, I'm in. Bye. Love you, pal. <laughs> love you. That was it. That was Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa Lampanelli. She's the greatest. You guys are the greatest. Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to my fellow Jews out there. I know it was a week ago, but I just can't get over it. I miss it. It was it was a great time. And uh, Happy New Year. You know, guys, it's going to be fabulous. I think another podcast is dropping on the New Year. So look at me, you know, Holiday Henry over here. Knocking them out left and right. You guys aren't going to fucking listen to this. No one listens to podcasts on major holidays. It's all right. You'll get to it when you get to it. This podcast does reasonably well. Eh, well, we'll see. We'll give it another six months. Anyway, guys, I love you. Take care of yourself and others. Uh, enjoy overeating and uh, getting gifts that you'll inevitably return. All right. Love you guys. Bye-bye.